You're listening to Tap into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border And politicians build a new world order Minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn new wet. Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn new wet. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And so very glad to have you along for the ride. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. All right. Now, there are a lot of different things going on and a lot of things that we could choose to talk about together, but I had to employ one of my roles, and that is to be a little more discerning about the topics we cover, because there is plenty to talk about, and all legitimate and all important. But a lot of what's going on right now, the top stories of the day, are redundant. Uh, Basically, boils down to the same thing that we've already talked about at least half a dozen times, is 
not a whole lot more than that at this point. Uh, we've got what's going on with Joe Biden in the polls and how he's not particularly well liked and and how we have Donald Trump uh, way ahead of all the other Republican nominees and well, all the other Republicans seeking the nomination would be more appropriate. Uh, and yet, we're still talking about the same thing. We're still talking about the same tactics. We're still talking about what is the viability of the national campaign, the general election, compared to winning the nomination in the primaries. What is the viability of Joe Biden making it to the convention? What is the odds of him actually being the Democratic nominee, especially with so many Democratic voters really starting to want to part company? Because while a lot of them are still perfectly okay with voting for somebody that isn't completely with it, a lot of them are okay with voting with someone who's going to back up socialist ideologies and back up policies that put wedges between parents and their children and put children at risk of lifelong health issues and, and a ton of other things, including the fact that even though, like Jen Psaki, uh, is going to come up and say, uh, nobody is for abortion all the way up to birth, uh, she still can't come up with anybody on the left that supports abortion on demand that has a stopping point. All that's going on, all that's been redressed, but there are some new things that we need to talk about, and we'll get started with that right after I talk to you about our friends over at Native Path. Yeah, we're going to do Native Path first today. Obviously, they are one of the sponsors of the show, and as such, I greatly appreciate it, but they have a product that I have been using, started just a little bit before they came on board as a sponsor, so that I could tell you my experience with it. And what I can tell you is that if you're concerned about your heart, your memory, or swollen, achy joints, then their Antarctic Krill oil supplement that they offer, it could help put an end to issues with all three. It has been shown to support healthy blood pressure, circulation, brain health, as well as reduce inflammation, swelling, and joint pain. And that was primary, primarily what I was hoping to get from it. And I can tell you point blank, it has worked extremely well for me, especially with my ankles and my knees. Uh, in my youth, played a lot of basketball. Being short, I pushed my body past certain normal limitations in order to play up around the rim. Uh, and uh, as a result, a few years after finally leaving basketball once and for all, the miles started to show. A lot of the pain, the swelling, the mobility that I had been losing over the last five years plus has come back. In fact, I did a little video not too long ago that essentially is a promo for, uh, for our friends at Native Path where I just explained, who I was out, I was doing some yard work, it was pretty hot. Probably after I went back and looked, I was wearing casual stuff, and then I looked back and I'm like, I was wearing an awful lot of black to be out in the heat. So if you've seen the video already, you're probably already said, Tim, what were you doing wearing so much dark colors if it's that hot? Uh, excellent question. But I, I just grabbed what was uh, comfortable and uh, generally lightweight, the uh, Einstock t-shirt. 
uh, is very light cotton. I love the t-shirt. Uh, the other stuff. Anyway, the point being, they've done a phenomenal job. And while, of course, I can't promise you that you'll have the exact same results, I can tell you that given the special offer for listeners of this show, it really, really would be a good idea for you to at least give it a shot. No better time than to try it for yourself. Just go to FixSwollenFeet.com. You can get up to 58% off the Native Path Antarctic Krill. This krill oil is pure, it's effective, it is bioavailable. Just fancy way of saying that it's easily absorbed and used by the body. It contains omega-3 fatty acids, which does help reduce inflammation and swelling in the body. Done a phenomenal job for me. For a limited time, you can grab Native Path Antarctic Krill Oil for as little as $23 a bottle. Just go to Fix Swollen Feet. Dot com and see for yourself. And, you know, that really is the only way that you can really tap into the truth for yourself. All right, let's jump uh, into the first story that uh, this one doesn't set well. It's not necessarily huge news. It's not big news. But I'll tell you why it bugs me after we go through the story itself. Joe Biden is set to become the first sitting president, if you're willing to call him that, of the United States, to mark the anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks without visiting any of the official memorials or attack sites. He's not going to visit any of them. According to a press release from the White House, Biden will instead stop over in Alaska on his return trip from Vietnam, where he will join in memorial services there. In Alaska. Okay. All right, quoting here from uh, the release. On Monday, September 11th, the President, Vice President, First Lady, and Second Gentleman will all mark the 22nd anniversary of the terror attacks on September 11th, 2001. The president will travel to Alaska to participate in a memorial ceremony with members of the military and their families. The vice president and the second gentleman will participate in a commemorative ceremony at the National September 11th Memorial and Museum in New York City. The First Lady will lay a wreath at the National 9-11 Pentagon, Pentagon Memorial to honor the lives lost on September 11th. Critics, like myself, were quick to wonder about the timing, asking why Biden would not make it a point to be at the National Memorial in New York. Uh, why not be at the Pentagon? Or, at the very least, go out to Somerset, Pennsylvania for the Flight 93 Memorial. That would seem to be appropriate go to one, especially since you're sending Kamala to one location and you're sending the First Lady to another. The White House announced that Biden will commemorate 9-11 at a military base in Alaska with service members and their families. This is the first time that a sitting president won't attend any of the observances in New York City, Pennsylvania, or Virginia. This is 
disrespectful, I think. I mean, you can say what you want to about going to a military base. And you can say what you want to about this timing and the schedule and the fact that he's just stopping off on the way back. But this trip to Vietnam, it could have been scheduled differently. But even if they didn't schedule it differently, there's nothing that says they couldn't push on through. There's nothing that says they couldn't have stopped off in Alaska, refueled, and kept going and still made it in time to attend one of these other services. This is a choice by design, and this is kind of going back to something we talked about back on Friday's live show with a couple of guests, and that being the fact that it really appears like Joe Biden's health has gotten to the point that he can't make those kinds of long trips without having to take some time to rest somewhere in between. My guess is also that you're not going to see a whole lot of footage from what's going on on the Alaskan military base. So you're not going to get a chance to see at least not very many opportunities unless somebody utilized cell phone uh, video to do it. You're not likely to see a whole lot of what he actually does, what he says, or what kind of shape he's in. This to me feels like an effort to keep Joe Biden out of the public eye because the last several times he's been in the public eye, he's not fared very well. Never mind what conservatives think about it. Democrats have been kind of miffed. He may have very well changed a lot of voting patterns in the state of Hawaii recently. He's not fit for the office. He never was fit. And currently, none of the other members of his administration are fit for the office either. Not a one. Right now, the Democratic bench, not very deep. They'll throw out several numbers. Oh, there's no shortage of people with a D at the end of their name that would love to hold the position. But there's not a one of them that you can name right offhand that's worthy of the post. Now, of course, you're going to have plenty of people that support these morons that are going to be like, oh, but yes, Kamala could be an awesome president. Really? What what type of evidence do you offer up for that to be the case? Well, Pete Buttigieg, he's, he's going to be totally awesome. He will be a president, too. Really? Again, the guy can't even be a halfway decent secretary of transportation. He's the only guy I know of in this administration that's probably flubbed up on par with what Joe Biden has managed to do. Who's your next guy? Are we going down the line uh, now? Are we looking at Bernie Sanders? Uh, well, he's among the group I've currently named. <laughs> Certainly one of the few that seems to be able to sound cogent when he uh, makes a statement. If he puts more than five words together, it still kind of sounds like at least he knows what he's trying to say. Whether he's completely wrong about what he's saying or not, he at least tries to sound smart and can fool a lot of would-be democratic socialists. Gavin Newsom? Gavin Newsom's got so much baggage. He couldn't win a national uh, election if his life depended on it. If you get to a point where Gavin Newsom becomes your nominee for the Democrats and he does win the general, that's only going to be because shenanigans took place. I don't care who he's up against. He could be running against me. He can't win that. 
any halfway decent campaign is going to be able to easily point at why so many businesses and so many families have been moving out of California. All you have to do is look at silly things like the next story we're going to look at, for example. Not there yet, but it does explain a lot of what's going on in California and why people would leave. Now, while a lot of folks have kind of suggested that Biden had opted for Alaska because there was likely to be less press coverage on the ground, you know, like what I just mentioned. Therefore, fewer chances for the guy who's supposed to be our commander-in-chief to appear on camera saying something foolish or tone-deaf. Some other folks have speculated that there were other stories floating around the news cycle on which the White House was trying to avoid scrutiny. I uh, don't think this helps that, however. Uh, I don't see this as being particularly newsworthy. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of people talking in depth about this being a distraction. I don't think it's a distraction from other stories, even though here we are talking about it. I think that this is simply one more effort to keep him out of the limelight, to keep him off camera. There were some other people still that mentioned the ongoing illegal immigration crisis and the so-called battle between New York City, New York State, and the federal government over who should bear the brunt of the responsibility. Now, uh, the folks in New York aren't wrong on this. It is the federal government's responsibility. Uh, where they are wrong is the fact that they're Democrats, too, and they have forever, up until this moment, talked about being sanctuaries for these people. Now, by these people, I'm referring to the illegal migrants. You can't sit around and talk about how we, as humanity, must embrace them and welcome them, and we are a welcoming, diverse community, and then turn around and say, oh, except to you guys. Now, this... It's kind of what I and, of course, several other conservative commentators have been trying to point out to you for a very long time. And it goes back to a phrase I've been using quite a bit, simply being that it's a lot easier to signal your virtue than it is to live it. Faced with trying to live their virtue, this has become a problem. But it's not a problem that New York City or New York State is going to be able to deal with. They don't have the resources. And... I think they're finally starting to get just a tiny taste of what actual southern border states have been dealing with for a long time. Just a small sample. It's just just a, a taste, just the tip of the iceberg, just barely floating above the ocean level. They have no idea how much of a strain it's put on the resources of these border states. And honestly, until now, they never cared. So could there be an effort here to avoid the optics of having Joe Biden in New York? Okay, well, if that's the case, why isn't he going to Pennsylvania? Why isn't he going to the Pentagon? I mean, the Pentagon would be a much better place for him to be rather than a military base in Alaska. They're still going to try to use the excuse that, oh, well, you know, we were just looking for a place to stop off on the way. I mean, we have to do the Vietnam trip. And, you know, Joe, 
he decided that he wanted to be with the rank and file. He wanted to be with our men and women in uniform who have ever since that brutal, terrible attack on American soil have been on the front lines of protecting us from those villainous terrorists from all around the world. Now, and it would be really nice if that was actually the reason. But I'm not going to buy that, and I certainly don't think any of you guys are going to buy it, and I think you'd have to be pretty dumb to buy it. It'd be really nice if he was trustworthy enough, he being Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. in this case, if he was trustworthy enough that if he said it or one of his people were to say it on his behalf, it'd be really nice if we felt like, well, you know, maybe he really does feel it. If we could at least question whether that might be true or not, but we all know better at this point. Still yet, some other commentators out there have said that the Biden administration was working on a potential deal that would help those convicted of masterminding the 9-11 attacks to avoid the death penalty, and that that deal had angered a number of those impacted directly by the terror attacks. Well, that much is true also. There's a lot of folks that are going to be pretty mad about it, but they're still going to be just as mad at Dr. Jill Biden. They're going to be just as mad at Kamala Harris. They're going to be just as mad at Chucky Schumer and any other Democrat that shows up in a position of leadership, if you can call it that, in the Democratic Party, uh, who at the very least haven't spoke out against it, especially if you're representing a constituency in one of the affected locations. That's, of course, being New York City proper, Pennsylvania, and right in the heart of the Pentagon. If you represent these physical locations and you haven't spoke out trying to put the kibosh on that deal, then, yeah, there's good reason for your constituents to be very angry with you. That's not an anger that's going to subside or just go away because Joe Biden doesn't show up. If anything, Joe Biden not showing up, not having the courage to face these people is only going to make it worse. We saw the public outcry about his handling of the fires on Maui. And then, as I pointed out, and I know I'm not the only one, but I literally put it in the title, it actually got worse when he finally did go. Mr. Biden goes to Maui was even worse than Mr. Biden not going. And who knew that it could get any worse than that? But it did. And the same thing would occur, undoubtedly, if he was to show up and be come face to face with any of these folks. You put on top of that that a lot of traditional Democratic voters are starting to demand answers from their elected officials, the guys that claim to be fighting for them, the people that they've put in positions of power and authority, they really are starting to get it, that it's not people that are fighting in their best interest. These people are so self-centered, so self-serving, that it's mind-boggling. And, and I'm not going to say that there aren't a bunch of folks especially in D.C., that don't have R's at the end of their name, that aren't behaving in the same fashion. But what I am going to tell you is that at least they have the decency 
to pretend compassion if they don't have any. They have the decency to stand up and at least make an attempt to do the right thing, even if it's not what they really want to do, because they understand how the game is played. And right now, the Democrats still believe, for whatever reason, that they've got the power and that they believe that they've got the American people bamboozled to the point that they no longer have to feign compassion. They just keep using the word as a catchphrase and in private as a punchline. Their idea of compassion falls far short from what the actual meaning is. So, again, we go back to the Princess Bride, and they keep using this word, but I don't think that it means what they think it means. Except they do know exactly what it means, and they keep trying to hide behind it. That's why they like redefining words. They have to control the language because they can't win in the marketplace of ideas if they don't control the language. They have to try to confuse you. They count on you being stupid because that's what they think we all are. They count on us to be that. And then for any of us that have the nerve or gumption to step up and speak out and say something to try to poke holes in their arguments, well, then we're either far right-wing extremists or we're tin pot morons uh, or freaking tin foil hat wearing conspiracy theorists were just crazies. Whatever they have to do or say to discredit us and to try to keep you from taking us seriously, that's what they do. They want you thinking that they're the uh, smartest people in the room. They want you thinking that they're the ones that know everything, they are the experts, they are far better prepared to make decisions for you, far better prepared to do it than you are for yourself. They require that in order to move forward and maintain their positions. Now, in the grand scheme of things, at the end of the day, Joe Biden not being at one of these memorials probably doesn't make much of a difference because what's he going to do if he's there, right? He's going to say a few words, maybe stumble around and once again reveal the fact that he has no business holding the office, Um, wander about a stage not knowing which way he's supposed to go when he's done, say some insensitive tone-deaf joke, or try to tell people how he knows the pain that... Family members felt that folks that lost loved ones during the attacks on 9-11 because of Bo. I mean, these are the things he does. At this point, that's baked into the cake, right? How much worse could it be? The really tragic part is that by virtue of having someone that you cannot at least have present on one of these locations, he doesn't even have to say anything, just freaking be there. Show the proper level of respect for the loss of American lives and lives of some of our allies as well. There were a lot of UK citizens that lost their lives during the attacks on the Twin Towers. A lot. Show the proper respect for the loss of life, even if you have to fake it. By becoming the first setting president to not attend one of these, he now sets the stage 
He now sets the precedent. It will now, moving forward, be okay for us not to send somebody to these events, for us to politically stop paying attention to the events of 9-11. If you think that that's not in play here as well, then you're just not paying attention. Now, if you were paying attention, you would probably also already be taking steps to make sure that when things go sideways, you're prepared. You need to be prepared. You need to be self-sufficient, especially in the event that we have an extended period of time where normal uh, where normal activities aren't possible. And what do I mean by that? I'm talking about, of course, if there's civil unrest and the supply chains are disrupted, if the grocery stores uh, have empty shelves for an extended period of time, if the power goes down, if the infrastructure is taken down and it's an extended period of time before that can be restored. How do you do that? How do you get yourself prepared? Well, I would highly suggest emergency food survival kits from our friends over at Four Patriots. Uh, as far as electricity is concerned, they have a multitude of solar batteries and solar generators uh, that are available. They're solar in so much as you can use sunlight to recharge them. Okay? They're not running 100% of the time uh, being plugged up, but they have a lot of positives. And all I'm going to ask you to do right now is visit our friends at Four Patriots to see everything they have to offer, including a lot of other things that I didn't just mention. But those are probably the two biggest, most important things that you need to be taking a look at in order to be certain that you are, in fact, prepared for when things go wrong. So visit our friends at Four Patriots by going to fourpatriots.com. Once you're there, you'll start seeing all kinds of really cool, neat stuff. Some of those things you may decide right there on the spot that you've got to have them. You put those in your little shopping cart, and then once you have filled that cart, or at least you put all the things that you're going to put into on that particular trip, be sure to use promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, at your checkout. Save yourself 10%. After all, in the age of Bidenomics, who can afford not to save money? So, again, that's 4Patriots.com, the number 4. Put in the number 4, Patriots.com. Use promo code TAP at checkout. Save yourself 10%. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hi, I'm Andy Berger. Founder and Chair of Voices Against Trafficking. Check out our website, VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com, for our books and magazines. And you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. What a beautiful noise coming up from the street. Got a beautiful sound. It's got a beautiful beat. It's a beautiful noise. Going on everywhere Like the clickety-clack of a train on a track It's got rhythm to spare
So-called green cars with soil-killing batteries are causing Ford Automotive to drown in red ink. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Well, at one time, Americans knew that crime doesn't pay. That's no longer true, asked the Uncle Joe Biden family. But Ford Motor Company is learning the hard way that electric cars do not pay. For years, the government and woke corporations like Ford have tried until they tried out to convince we the people that driving potentially dangerous lithium battery-powered motor cars is a good idea. They thought we would just go along and en masse purchase autos with batteries that pollute the earth and easily catch fire and explode just because they said so. Hopefully Ford Motor Company will learn from its projected loss of four. $0.5 billion on electric vehicles and go right back to improving upon combustion petrol-powered cars. If not, may new auto producers arise and produce what consumers want, not vehicles based upon the dictates of the United Nations Agenda 2030 plan. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays to find out where. Go to theronedwards.com. Bean stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of bean stocks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, Put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, but the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. 
go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. Use your promo code to get your limited edition 20th anniversary MyPillow queen size. Retails for $69.98, now only $19.98. That's right, get a queen size MyPillow for only $19.98. From all of us here at MyPillow... Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Skull. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akuari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal, and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo, Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink, conquer, repeat, skull. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that make Republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. This is Taya Shoemake from homeschoolreadyornot.com, and you're listening to Tim Tap Tap Into the Truth. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Before we jump into this next story, I want to remind you about one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of us gun owners tend to do. 
Okay, maybe not a lot of us. Maybe it's just a few of us. Maybe it was just me. I I'm doubting it, because I have gotten some feedback on this, uh, and I've come to realize it isn't just me, but... You know, I'm not going to force you to admit anything you don't want to admit to, but something to keep in mind. And that is, lots of times we picked up a new uh, sidearm, and then we get a new holster to go with it, and then the holster just ends up being so uncomfortable, we, not right away, but eventually stop carrying. We really can't afford to do that. As I've said a multitude of times already, the surest path to tyranny is to give up your guns. The quickest way to become a victim of violent crime is to not have your firearm on you when you need it. So, can't afford to let something like comfort be an issue in stopping you from doing your legal carry. That's one of the reasons why our friends over at Vanish Holsters quickly becoming one of the most popular holster brands in the country. We're talking about thousands of their customers that have stepped forward. They have tried to tell us point blank that Vanish is, in fact, the most comfortable holster, period. And a lot of those same thousands of customers will tell you that if you start using a Vanish holster, you'll never stop carrying. Now, Vanish holster is designed to be comfortable, but it's also designed to save you money. And here's how. First of all, it's designed to work with nearly all semi-automatic handguns, somewhere pretty dang near close to 99% of them. It's also designed to work without a tactical belt, which sometimes is an added expense that we don't always take into account when we are planning to use our holster for our new firearm. And uh, it also allows you going back to that comfort level, to carry in multiple positions. And that's something that we don't always take into account either. Uh, you've got a holster that is working really well in one position. Sometimes you need it uh, a slightly different position or a totally different position in order to comfortably work for you. Vanish holster can do that. Plus, it also will hold up to two additional magazines. So in the event that you have to do a quick reload, you got what you need right there to take care of it. So Vanish Holster's got all the positives and uh, not much in the way of uh, negatives if you're trying to do a pro-con analysis. But hey, as I usually say at the end of every broadcast, don't take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. And you can do that by visiting www.vnsh.com backslash TAPP. Now, you want to use that backslash TAPP because it will automatically activate for you a $50 discount. Uh, that is good until the end of August. We're getting really, really close to the end of August at this point. So if you are looking to try and take full advantage of it, you need to go ahead and do that soon if you've been putting it off. Trust me, you don't want to delay. Now, I'm not sure what it's going to look like after August. I am still trying to negotiate with these folks to extend that discount a little bit longer. I don't know. They've extended it twice already. We'll see what happens. But I would highly recommend you just don't take any chances. So right now, go visit www.vnsh.com 
backslash T-A-P-P. Take advantage of the $50 discount if you decide to make a purchase, but just check out and see what they've got. I'm pretty sure you'll agree that you probably should take full advantage and make a purchase. All right. Um, obviously, I played our bit with uh, Taya Shoemake for a reason, because we're talking about schools here. Uh, public schools are in the, the way. Uh, and uh, I mentioned that there was a connection to the earlier story. One of the reasons why a lot of people may, in fact, be leaving the state of California. Well, the story here is the fact that the California Attorney General, Rob Bonta, filed a civil rights lawsuit against a school district this past Monday in order to try to halt its recently adopted policy that requires schools to, wait for it, inform parents about student gender transitions. Oh, no. Seems like we've been talking a lot about this particular topic recently. Seems like schools in Maryland and Virginia and California and other places are really struggling with remembering exactly who it is they work for. Now, I get that when it comes to public schools, it is an extension of the state. It is government-run, government-operated, and so they have to be in lockstep with the government. But schools are a little different scenario than your average government institution. Because what happens when you are a school, you are stepping in. You are being a temporary surrogate for the parents. You are working for the parents. Doesn't matter who's signing your check. The only reason there's money for that check to be cashable is because of the taxpayers. You are working for the parents. You do not have a right to hide important information about their children from parents. You don't. The fact that you're trying to pass laws that makes it okay, that you're putting in place policies that makes it okay, encourages it even, that still doesn't make it right. And it certainly doesn't make it legal. And you can pass every law you want, but if it doesn't pass constitutional muster, it's the law, but it's illegal, just the same, because the Constitution is the ultimate law, the highest law of this nation. And I'm pretty sure parental rights trump whatever the government wants to do to your children, plain and simple. Now, of course, the California Attorney General announced earlier this month that he indeed had launched an investigation into the Cinco Valley Unified School District, which we talked about this uh, not that long ago. It, of course, represents over 26,000 students in the San Bernardino County. And they announced this after district officials passed a policy all the way back in July that requires teachers to inform parents within three days if their child uses names and pronouns different from their birth certificate or request to use school facilities, or join sports teams opposite of their gender. Quoting here from the news release from the California AG, Every student has the right to learn and thrive in a school environment that promotes safety, privacy, and inclusivity. 
regardless of their gender identity. Okay, fine, fair enough, except those students' rights do not trump the rights of their parents. And you, sir, have no right to intervene unless the parents are involved with actual physical threat of harm. Everything else is outside of your purview. You do not have the right to do so. You may want to try to pass a law or create an ordinance that would allow you to do so, but you're overstepping your bounds. You don't have that authority. You never have. You never will in this country, pal. But the fact that in California, you can't win, that might be part of the reason why so many people are leaving your state. Anyway, the state's attorneys, the state's attorney general, argued that the district forced outing policy, which is what they're calling it, discriminates against the privacy rights of LGBTQ plus students and the California Constitution. Now, I would love to see what part of the California state constitution gives uh, a trump to the LGBTQ plus students over the rights of their parents. Best case scenario, the way the law has been established and is supposed to operate in this country, is those rights should be equally balanced. But a right to privacy is not something that typically belongs to students, especially students when they're in the school setting. That's something that's been tested multiple times. I remember back in the late 70s, all throughout the 80s, and even in the early 90s, where as a result of trying to crack down on drugs within school campuses, uh, they would randomly have canine units come through and they would randomly search student lockers. And what was the argument there? That the student doesn't have a reasonable uh, expectation of privacy on school grounds. I'm pausing to let that sink in for a minute. A lot of you are old enough to remember that. Some of you may have actually been students when that was going on. The fact that, again, one more thing that we've seen teachers used to fight for and now they seem to be working against, really should raise an eyebrow and have you wonder why. Why the change? Why the reversal? And we're doing it in the name of protecting the children. But are you protecting the children or are you putting them at higher risk? I think we've established now the pattern of how much higher risk these children are in when these policies are allowed to propagate. Now, in the release, he continued by saying, the forced outing policy wrongfully endangers the physical, mental, and emotional well-being of non-conforming students who lack an accepting environment in the classroom and at home. Now, i got to stop there. He said more, but I'm going to stop there for a second. Again, you have to prove that the physical has been uh, endangered before you're allowed to legally act. And as far as the mental and emotional well-being, you are concerned about that in the classroom, but you don't have any business getting involved with the home.
Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that every situation is going to be ideal. I'm not going to sit here and say that every parent is going to react in a fashion that most of us would deem acceptable. However, not our place to intervene unless actual criminal behavior takes place. And if you are trying to twist your legal system into making a parent's decision to try to avoid indoctrination in these paths as being a form of child abuse, if you're going to try to twist your legal system into trying to make it so that if a parent says, no, we're not going to go along with this so-called gender-affirming care, you'll have to wait till you're an adult and decide for yourself that that's child abuse, well, then you are on the wrong side of history, and this will play out. We're already seeing the results. It has not taken long, and you've got to stop targeting children. Adults can do this if they want. That's their choice. I wouldn't recommend it for any of them, but it's still their choice. You're an adult, and you decide you want to take this path Fine. You do you, and I hope you find peace and well-being. I really do. There are people that I know, that I care about a great deal, that are on a similar path, or on exactly this path. And so I, I can tell you, point blank, I have full sympathy and full empathy for people that are actually suffering from gender dysphoria. But none of these treatments have been shown to actually help long-term. None of them. And it's very few folks that are being treated with this so-called gender-affirming care that actually are suffering from true gender dysphoria. The fact that you're trying to push this on children at younger and younger ages is what most of us are trying to push back against. But to sit here and pretend like you have the legal right, regardless of what state you're in, regardless of what county you're in, regardless of what city you're in, I don't even care what country you're in, to pretend like you have the legal right to separate yourself and drive a wedge between parents and children, well, that is obviously something far more insidious. It has nothing to do with the well-being of the children. It has everything to do with control. It has nothing to do with the mental health of the children. It has everything to do with teaching the adults what their place is. Know your role. Don't challenge us. We'll step in. We'll ruin your life. There's a case of a man in Canada, for crying out loud, who's been jailed because he refused to go along with a transitioning of his daughter. Been in jail for over six years at this point, and he finally won uh, his, a case in uh, an appeals court. But he's still going to have to deal with more legal actions coming down the road. He hasn't spoken to his daughter since. They are not afraid. They have no qualms about trying to criminalize and then 
lock away anyone that has the gumption to stand up, anyone that has the the audacity to have a different point of view, to feel slightly different about the discussion. And everything that's going on in Canada, the leftists here want to be able to do, and we're seeing exactly that. That's what's going on here in California. They want to force this down. They want to use terms that will make you feel sympathy for the students and make it look like it's the local school board and the parents that are wrong, forced outing. Uh, excuse me? So he continues. All right, I already said the part about the forced outing policy wrongfully endangers. Okay, he continues by saying our message to this particular school system and all school districts in California is loud and clear. We will never stop fighting for the civil rights of LGBTQ plus students. Except what legal precedent do you have that puts the civil rights of students ahead of adults? Every legal precedent that has existed well into the 2000s has actually leaned towards the fact that students really don't have much in the way of civil rights. You've ignored the notion. In fact, your very support of abortion suggests that you don't believe that rights should be offered up to pre-born children, that you don't believe civil rights exist on any of these other children. You're not in a big hurry to acknowledge civil rights for your political opponents. This is an attack. How dare this one school district challenge the dictates of the state? How dare you stand up and say that the parents have a right to know what their students are doing at school? This is so much more than just trying to get a school system to fall in line. But make no mistake, that is part of it. They want these students, they want the parents, they want the school board to know that they will do what the state tells them to, or somebody will face legal consequences. It's unacceptable. And I hope the folks in California that aren't willing to put up with this kind of BS will go ahead and get out, because the state is too far gone for you to save it at this point. It's going to have to collapse before things will get better. And the only way that happens is if all the good, smart, hardworking citizens get out of Dodge and let them rely on their own means. Let them try to survive without you. Because once they have more takers than producers, they will collapse. And they're well on their way to that. You need to just let it happen. Get out of the way. And then when it comes time to clean up the mess and try to salvage what's left, then you can move back to your home. But right now, it's not safe for you to stay. It's not safe because you will be among the folks that end up being political prisoners in the name of the state, having a full, total control over those that live there. Let's reset the hour. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. My name's Joe Biden. That's because hot. <laughs> America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I would put him in a... Uh,
We know that there's no, there's no such thing to finish the job. More than half of the women on the, in my administration are women. You lost your child. He's gone. Look, um, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. We got it. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you for staying with us as we dive headlong into hour number two of today's broadcast of Tap Into The Truth. If you're listening to the rebroadcast over on the Vera Networks or WCET, thank you so much for being along for the ride. Certainly appreciate you guys. If you're just listening to the podcast after the fact, thank you so much as well. I certainly appreciate you guys just the same. Before we get back into the swing of things, I do have to once again talk about some of our sponsors. And, of course, uh, the sponsor I've been focusing on first today is our friends over at Native Path. And the reason I'm talking to you about the Native Path folks is because of the phenomenal change that I have personally had thanks to the use of their Antarctic Krill Oil Supplement. Now, if you're worried about heart, uh, memory, swollen, achy joints, this supplement really, it can possibly help put an end to issues with all three. It's been shown to support healthy blood pressure, circulation, brain health, as well as reduce inflammation, swelling, and joint pain. Never been a better time to try it for yourself. All you have to do is go visit FixSwollenFeet.com and get up to 58% off the Native Path Antarctic Krill Oil. Krill Oil is pure, it's effective, it is bioavailable, which is just a fancy way of saying that it's easily absorbed by the body and easily used. Contains omega-3 fatty acids, which is a fantastic aid in reduction of inflammation and swelling. And you can grab a bottle uh, by visiting FixSwollenFeet.com for as low as $23. You can take advantage of the deal that is offered exclusively to listeners of Tap Into The Truth by going to FixSwollenPete.com. I highly recommend that you check it out for yourself because it has worked wonders for me on the verge of miracle with what it's done for my ankles and knees. It's just been phenomenal. I can't guarantee for you that it's going to work as well for you as it has for me. I can't uh, guarantee you that it's going to do the same thing for you because like I said, it has done stuff for blood pressure, circulation, and brain health. But what I can tell you 
based on my own experience, is certainly worth the shot. I highly recommend you do it. So one more time, FixSwollenFeet.com. Now, have you heard about what's going on in Wisconsin? If you haven't, then you probably will over the course of the next few days. You see, the Wisconsin court just recently shifted, shifted to the left. Of course, we're talking about the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And now the Chief Justice of the Wisconsin State Supreme Court has said that its new liberal justices are in fact staging, uh, quote, an unprecedented coup in an effort to destroy the state's constitution ahead of a key term that could deliver decisions on voter integrity measures and abortion. Now, seems like a pretty serious accusation, doesn't it? I, for one, would be very concerned if the Chief Justice of the state Supreme Court is the one coming out and saying that the leftist judges on the court are trying to shred the state constitution. That sounds to me like a person who would have good knowledge of what they're up to is sounding the alarm. So is anybody heeding said warning? Uh, at this point, wouldn't look like it, but let's dig into the story a bit more, shall we? So, we have Chief Justice Annette Zegler out here absolutely slamming the actions of the new liberal 4-3 to three court majority, taking aim at them for terminating a long-standing court director. The liberal justices fired Randy uh, Koshnick as soon as the court official flipped earlier this month. So what we had, as soon as the judges became more left-leaning, they fired the guy. Now, the court director is the top non-judicial officer in the state Supreme Court system. Uh, quoting here, You're making a mess of the judiciary, the court, and the institution for years to come. Now, this is from Ziegler. Ziegler said this in an email that was obtained by the Associated Press. Uh, Ziegler also said, This must stop. I have no confidence in the recent hostile takeover and the chaotic effect it has had on the court, staff, and the overall stable functioning of the courts. Now, the emails from Ziegler, they were sent to the other six justices and the interim state court director who the liberal judges handpicked. According to Wisconsin Law, a website that keeps a close eye on this kind of thing, uh, the court director is supposed to be hired by and serve at the pleasure of the Supreme Court under the direction of the Chief Justice. Okay. Seems to me, then, like the liberal justices that now sit and have the one-position majority didn't have the authority to fire the previous or to appoint an interim. I mean, maybe I'm wrong here, 
But according to Wisconsin law, it sounds to me like that's what is supposed to happen. Anyway, in the emails, Ziegler said that the new interim director was signing court orders in Ziegler's name without authorization. Now, that sounds to me as if it's, you know, illegal. Uh, forgery, at the very least, isn't it? Anyway, back to quoting. It has come to my attention that you have been signing my reserve judge orders without my knowledge or approval. You never asked me for permission. You do not have my permission. Stop. These orders are in my name. You have no lawful authority to sign them. If you have signed anything else under my name, please advise immediately. Now, the liberal judges also moved to shift judicial work from Ziegler to a committee. Ziegler said that they were undermining the court. Quoting again from the emails, Again, I will not condone such lawless destruction of the Constitution, the judiciary, or the court. This is nothing short of an unprecedented coup. For 40 years, the role of the Chief Justice has been understood and respected. Your short-term goals will cause long-term irreparable damage to the judiciary. What a historical disgrace. Now, Judge Rebecca Dallet said that liberals on the court were acting within their constitutional duties. Except it doesn't really sound like it to me, but I digress. Quoting from uh, Dalit, We are simply creating processes so that a majority of the court can effectively work in the face of an intransigent and uncollegial chief who apparently insists on a public debate about issues for political purposes, rather than allow a court majority to function as it always has. The disagreements on the court come after liberal judge Janet, uh, well, I'm not even going to attempt that last name. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Judge Janet soundly defeated conservative-backed candidate Dan Kelly back in April, flipping the control of the court to liberal judges for the first time in 15 years. Uh, Judge Janet was backed by left-wing billionaire da -da -da -da, George Soros. The uh, Illinois' Democratic Governor Pretzker and many celebrities, including actor Mark Ruffalo, and director Steven Spielberg, totally spending in the race, well, total spending in the race exceeded $40 million, an astronomical amount compared to previous years when the total spending was about $10 million. $40 million spent on getting this liberal judge to flip the dominance, and now they're challenging an upending Wisconsin state law. They are stepping outside of the law. They are violating the law. And they're claiming that they're just trying to reestablish uh, the majority of the court having control of the court. But that's not the way it's supposed to act. They, they just 
they don't get to just decide who the chief justice is. The chief justice, there is a way that that is established through Wisconsin state law, and obviously, secular is still it. To pretend as if it's okay to just do things as a workaround is inappropriate. But this also shows you the primary issue with having political operatives in the judiciary. This should not be an issue. This is not something that should be happening. If these judges were doing their job as a Supreme Court of the State Justice, the fact that they personally believe left-leaning things would not be a factor. They would not be adversarial. They would not be having to try to work around Segler. They certainly wouldn't be having the current new director of the court forging the name. I mean, how is that? How, are the, how has this not already been dealt with by virtue of of calling the cops. Forgery is forgery. And if you are signing somebody's name illegally in order to do anything that gives you any type of gain, political, personal, monetary, it doesn't matter. If you're doing it with the intent of defrauding someone, which this clearly is fraud, then as a part of the judiciary, you shouldn't even be wasting your time sending an email. There shouldn't be a cease and desist email being sent out. There should be a simple, well, um, we're going to have to establish another director of the court because this one's going to jail. Charges should be filed. Should be pressing these charges should be pressing them hard, should be making the point that just because you disagree with me politically or just because you want to be an activist from the bench, just because you may want to litigate from the bench, that doesn't give you a right to just do whatever you want. Just because you have a majority now doesn't give you the right to do whatever you want. That's why we have a republic, not a democracy. Because simple majorities means that a minority will never be protected. If you're a minority in this country, a minority of any kind, you should greatly appreciate every safeguard that's been put in place that allows the protection of minority rights. You should be against every time the majority steamrolls over a minority. You should appreciate the fact that if someone is supposed to be in charge, the other people don't get to just overrule them by simple majority. There should, in fact, be a process. And in this case, when it comes to the state Supreme Court, there is a process, and they're violating that process. And why it's even gotten to this point is beyond me. This was an election that just finalized a short time ago, and there was a big hallyhoo uh, this, this past week in regards to the fact that the Wisconsin Supreme Court ended up in the hands of the left. But again, it demonstrates exactly what I keep saying about how politics, personal 
political beliefs and philosophies should not, cannot be allowed to be part of the daily operations when it comes to how you perform your role in the judiciary. Clearly, that is what is happening here. And if you got any sense at all, then you know straight up that if George Soros is backing this justice, then justice is not what they have in mind. Political shenanigans is what they have in mind. I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this story. I mean, let's honestly think about it for a second. The court director is the top non-judicial officer in the state court system. Right? Randy? Randy was the guy, but the liberal justice justices fired Randy as soon as the court officially flipped. They fired him at the beginning of this month. Well, not at the beginning, but earlier this month. According to Wisconsin state law, the court director is supposed to be hired by and serve at the pleasure of of the Supreme Court under the direction of the Chief Justice, meaning that without the say-so of Zegler, this still shouldn't have happened. So how did it happen? It certainly couldn't have just happened without Zegler knowing, Right? I mean, how does this happen? Why is it at this point does Ziegler feel like she doesn't have enough legal grounds for pushing back, short of feeling like she's acting like a political activist? Is that what is at the very heart of this? Why she hasn't went public? Why this had to be emails that were acquired by a news outlet? Why the Associated Press had to get this and uh, I mean, kudos to the AP for actually reporting it, because this is the kind of story that normally they'll bury. We like to think of the AP as being uh, down the middle and one of the few news outlets that doesn't lean uh, very much one way or the other. But in truth, we know that's not the case. So again, kudos, a hat tip to those guys for not only finding the email, but releasing it, because... This is kind of important, but at the same time, maybe it does serve the leftist, uh, in this case, to release the emails, because it certainly makes Ziegler look like, instead of standing firm and doing the job and being a strong chief justice, to just kind of, oh, you're going to have to stop this. Now, now cut it out, guys. Uh, yeah, very funny. Okay, now stop giving me a swirly, because that's what this comes across as sounding like to me. Technically, you didn't have the right to fire Randy, but I, I let you hire Audrey instead. I figured that would be at least a bit of an olive branch so that we can continue to work together. Maybe we can get past this political divide and actually look at the law when we, you know, look at cases in front of us. Come up with opinions in our decisions. Rather than have everything be a straight four, three, the libs win every time scenario. Maybe we can just 
you know, look at the Constitution and look at the law and probably be in much closer agreement rather than just be split all the time right down along party lines because party lines is not a thing that should happen in the courts. I know I keep saying that, and I know you guys are probably tired of hearing me say that because, you know, I'm tired of saying it. Because we know <laughs> it's still what happens. SCR Chapter 70 Rules of Judicial Administration In SCR 70.01 It lays out the responsibilities of the director. It lays out the authority of the director. Created, added to Wisconsin state law in 1979, called the Rules of Judicial Administration, it governs the court administration at the state and local levels. It's clear the director of the state courts shall be the chief non-judicial officer of the court system in the state. The director shall be hired by and serve at the pleasure of the Supreme Court under the direction of the chief justice. The director shall have authority and responsibility for the overall management of the unified judicial system. Then he goes on to lay out the specific responsibilities and authorities. But the, the phrasing here, under the direction of the Chief Justice, is pretty clear. It's pretty obvious what exactly we're talking about here, and this... This is a violation of Wisconsin law. How can you expect any type of real, legitimate justice inside of a court that's violating state law and violating the state constitution? If you're openly violating it just to conduct your own business, just to grab more power than you have coming to you, to garner a larger piece of the pie, to have more authority than you are duly empowered to have, how can you expect even a semblance of actual justice? And why is it, if the left are the good guys, all you lefties out there, out there fighting for the little guy, out there trying to protect the rights of minorities. If you're really the good guys, why is it always your side that has to break the rules and violate the law and constantly have to drive wedges between people, drive them into boxes, have to be the side that's putting labels on everyone in your effort for inclusivity, constantly making sure that everybody knows exactly where you are in the hierarchy? Why is it your side always doing that? I mean, honestly, shouldn't there be some concern when somebody comes along and say, oh, this candidate is endorsed by George Soros? Then why does everybody come, if you happen to be a leftist, right behind that and say, everything is awesome. 
Maybe because everything's not awesome. For anybody that's seen the Lego movie and knows what that's a reference to, that's a pop song in the movie that's designed to keep everybody distracted away from the fact that everything is not awesome. But hey, everything's awesome as long as everything's okay and you don't question the status quo. As long as you don't push back against the bad guys. Oh, oh wait, I'm sorry, the good guys. Because they think they are the good guys. They're not. The good guys don't have to violate the Constitution. The good guys don't have to flat out break the law. The good guys don't have to rely on forgery to make things happen on their behalf. The good guys don't have to do any of those things. Now, the good guys may be hindered by their inability to do that, but as soon as they slide across that, well, as soon as they give up on the moral way to go about doing this, then they're not the good guys anymore. The ends do not justify the means under any circumstance. The means are still important. Now, again, none of the the principles that we stand on are supposed to be a suicide pact, but the minute you walk away from those principles, once you lose sight of the principles, you are no longer operating on a merit-based system. You're no longer operating on a principle-based system. You are then left to determine for yourself what is or isn't moral, what is or isn't uh, acceptable what is ethical, then you get to redefine ethics. That's part of why some professions have a very different set of ethics in comparison to what personal ethical behavior should be. When you can't even define your personal ethics, you don't have them. When you have to rely on signaling your virtue, you probably don't have any actual virtue. And when you have to fall back on forgery in the court to work around the chief justice, then obviously there will be no justice. And instead of sending an email to the co-workers saying, oh, come on guys, get it out, maybe, Chief Justice Segler, maybe you should have been sending that email to every news outlet on the planet and should have made that phone call and pressed charges against this clearly illegal actor that the liberal judges have put in charge of the court system as a non-judiciary. I'm going to take the mid-hour break. Uh, don't go anywhere before we slide into that break, though. Once again, I'm going to talk to you about our friends over at Four Patriots. I, I'm really concerned about food moving forward. I am, uh, and I think you should be, too. If, if we don't run out of food on the shelves... It's going to be so expensive, a lot of us simply aren't going to be able to afford it. So if you haven't already started, it's kind of late in the game, but that's not an excuse not to start as soon as possible. Start building up a stash of survival food kits from Four Patriots. It's really the best thing that you can do to get through. The, the food is good, first of all. But beyond that, it's rated to last up to 25 years. you got a wide variety of products. You're not going to get burned out on any particular item. they got plenty of great desserts added as well. Just go look at the survival food kits that are available at 4Patriots. You can do that by going to 4 and if you do go ahead and get started on building up that stash, and I really, really suggest you do, you, you need to, I don't know, 
just just please do. Uh, once you do, as you go to checkout, use promo code TAP. That's T A P P. Uh, use that at checkout. Save yourself ten percent on your order, and that works on everything in the store, not just the food. But, but dang it, don't hesitate. Stop putting this off. If you haven't already started, you need to get started ASAP. If you have already started, you need to be continuing to build up that stockpile. Things are not getting better, and I think it's probably going to get worse before it does. So, again, 4Patriots.com, that's the number 4, Patriots.com. Use promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. Save yourself 10%. And uh, stay with us. I'll be right back. Hello, this is Stella Morabito, author of The Weaponization of Loneliness, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. As government elitists conjure up their evil plots and plans to put us back on lockdowns, many brave souls are saying, No way! Jose! Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's Face from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Lawmakers in Florida recently announced they have decided via legislation to outlaw coronavirus 19 shots. That's according to SGT News Network. The Brevard Republican Executive Committee has urged presidential contender Ron DeSantis to please sign the legislation. The Florida lawmakers considers the coronavirus shots to be bioweapons. After learning the ingredients of the shots, I tend to agree. The Florida lawmakers also noted that shots are simply hazardous to human health. You know what else is hazardous to human health? Wearing masks at airports and on long flights in stores or anywhere else for that matter. The only thing that masks achieve are making people unhealthy from breathing back in their own carbon monoxide, creating a sense of isolation, and protecting criminals from identification. We the people are obligated to stand together and say nope to any lockdowns and mask mandates, because if we don't stand against such madness, we will merely exist in utter misery. I'm Ron Edwards. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year and a half a million children being treated in the ERH year for a head injury, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. 
constitutional grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, constitutional grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueEdgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the constitutional grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. Use your promo code to get your limited edition 20th anniversary MyPillow queen size. Retails for $69.98, now only $19.98. That's right, get a queen size MyPillow for only $19.98. From all of us here at MyPillow... Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. While also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Hi, I'm Christina Bob, author of Stealing Your Vote and attorney for the Donald J. Trump for President 2024 campaign. And you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for staying with us through that very brief break. Before we jump back into the final segment of the day, 
want to remind you about our friends over at Vanish Holsters. Now, you've heard me say it a few times by now, and it is absolutely true. The surest path to tyranny is to give up your guns. The quickest way to become a victim of violent crime is to not have your firearm on you when you need it. A mistake that a lot of gun owners have made, myself included, is we'll go out, we'll pick a holster for our new sidearm that's just really bad. It, it's We think it's going to be great, looks awesome, fits the, the sidearm, and then there's just not a comfortable way to carry. And it's so uncomfortable that we just kind of stop. We start coming up with excuses not to wear it, and before long, we just don't do it at all. So... If that very no-good, terrible moment arises where we have to defend ourselves, our family, our friends, our neighbors, and we don't have our firearm on us, then we are in a huge disadvantage and may not come out on top. Can't have that, ladies and gentlemen. Don't let comfort be the deciding factor as whether or not you survive. So... What does that have to do with Vanish holsters? Well, according to thousands of their customers, they are easily the most comfortable holster, period. Many of those same thousands of customers will tell you that if you start using a Vanish holster, you will never stop carrying. And they're designed to save you money, too. How? Well, number one, designed to work with nearly all semi-automatic handguns. I mean, somewhere pretty close to 99% of them will fit in the Vanish holster along with two, not just one, but two additional magazines. So you've got plenty of ammunition in the event that you need to do a quick reload. It's also designed to work without a tactical belt, which is one of those hidden expenses we don't always take into account when we're picking out a holster. Going back to the comfort part, designed to allow you to carry in multiple positions. So if one position doesn't work great for you sometimes, that's just too bad with that holster. But... With the Vanish holsters, if one position doesn't work, you can try another, and you can keep trying until you find one that does. It's phenomenal stuff. But, as I always like to say, don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. If you're going to tap into the truth of how good Vanish holsters is, you got to go see for yourself. And the best way to do that is visit them over at www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Very important to use the backslash T-A-P-P because that will automatically activate for you a $50 discount at least until the end of August. Uh, August is fastly, very, very quickly running out. So just to make sure that you can take full advantage of the full $50 discount, you need to hurry. It also lets them know that I'm the one that sent you. So that gives me a little more bargaining power as I try to negotiate with them to get them to extend that discount further. So you're kind of going and getting something that you need to get anyway, and you're helping to keep the door open for fellow patriots that also need to do it. I don't know that I'm going to be able to, to get them to extend that uh, $50 discount any further. They've already extended it twice, but... Regardless if I, if I can or can't, don't miss out on your opportunity to take full advantage of the full $50 discount. Go see them. That's all I'm asking. 
www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. See for yourself. Don't wait. Okay. All right. Now, uh, let's take a quick look at today's final story, shall we? A Republican senator says that federal employees are still working from home as if the coronavirus pandemic was still in full swing. And this same Republican senator is demanding an investigation into how widespread failure to get workers back into the office is impacting taxpayers. Now, I would like to remind you guys that not that long ago, in fact, just back in April, near the end of April of this year, I wrote an article that was published in the American Spectator titled that Biden's back-to-work orders are too little, too late. Subtitled, Congress should make the bureaucracy work for the American people, not against them. Uh, of course, if you're familiar with my writing, you're probably thinking yeah, that pretty much sounds like something Tim would say. As it turns out, though, despite the orders to go back to work and the pushback that I got from the article itself, apparently not a lot of these federal workers decided that they were going to go back to work anyway. Now, Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa, calls into question the government's claims that remote workers can be just as productive as coming into the office and points to various inspector general reports to prove her point. One investigation into a Department of Commerce employee found that a government worker was paid for 730 hours of work that was instead spent playing golf, shooting pool, and going to happy hour. Now, I gotta tell you, sounds like a pretty good gig if you can get it, except that's not really the gig, is it? Now, I don't know if you are making the same connection I am here, but that doesn't sound like remote work. That sounds like no work, but with no way to make sure that these people are actually doing their job during the remote sessions. I suppose there's a lot of opportunity for that. Now, I know several folks that have worked remotely for a long time. Uh, the nature of what they do, it actually is better for the company and for the type of work they're doing as long as they actually reach their assigned goals, whatever the agendas may be. Uh, what happens is there's a certain amount of work that's expected to be done, but the really interesting side effect here is that when the company has that expectation in the private sector, there are all kinds of safeguards to make sure that the people are logged in and that the people are getting stuff done, that all the time that they're claiming they're working, they actually are. Those kind of safeguards, of course, are, are just too invasive for government employees, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, let's, let's get back to the article. Ernst actually said, <clears throat> quoting now, I know what working from home actually means. It's not fair to let the responsibilities of running an agency and the country 
fall on the shoulders of the hardworking public servants who are showing up while others are out golfing on the taxpayer's dime. Hmm. Now, again, seems to have a legitimate reason for making the point, but it might be, and I'm going to offer up a benefit of the doubt kind of scenario that I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to. Clearly, not everyone that's doing the remote working is going to be out taking full advantage of the fact that there's nobody really looking over their shoulder. However, I will say that there's probably a good number of folks that are, in fact, doing exactly that. Now, Ernst call, it comes more than a year after Joe Biden pledged back in his 2022 State of the Union address that the vast majority of federal workers will once again work in person. But by that fall, only 5% of the government employees swiped into the office on a typical day. This month, White House Chief of Staff Jeff Zenis reiterated the call, telling cabinet members that it is a, quote, priority that Biden expects them aggressively execute on in order to get better results for the American people. So this sounds like it's an acknowledgement from the Biden White House that work's not getting done. Now, when it comes to making a statement about for the American people, what that actually means is we're not moving our agenda fast enough. We're not getting our spending and our inflation increasing goals and our indoctrination and propaganda out there as effectively as we could be if everybody was in the office working. So we got to get on that. Seems almost funny that they'd be just now getting serious about it at the same time that they're also trying to start pushing the panic porn again about new strains of COVID. Oh no, mask mandates and lockdowns are coming. Strangely, uh, just in time for a new election cycle. I know I'm not the first person to point that out. I won't be the last person. I know I probably don't even need to point it out to you because if you're a regular listener, you know it. And even if you're not a regular listener, if you'll take two seconds to think about it, you'll go, hmm, it does seem to be a strange cycle, especially one that doesn't make much sense in regards to how viruses normally work once they're out in the wild. Interesting. Anyway, there are some indications that federal employees who are working remotely might not be working at all. Uh, Hence, like we talked about with this one particular example, uh, out golfing and, you know, enjoying happy hours. A review of Department of Health and Human Services remote employees found that as many as 30% of them did not even log in to the agency's email or computer system on days that they were working from home. Those findings were from 2020, back in the height of the coronavirus pandemic fiasco. You know, when Americans presumably might have needed assistance from the agency. You know, the the one that has health in the name, uh, that agency seems like it would have been more important than ever for those folks to, at the very least, be logged in and, you know, 
checking emails, even if they're not going to respond to them, uh, logged into the system, doing the job that they would have been doing if they were in the office. Uh, it just seems like the timing would have made that more important, not less. It wasn't vacation time. It wasn't an extended uh, period of being off. You kept getting your checks. You kept, I would presume, probably direct deposit, but for the purposes of the dramatic effect of using the words, you kept cashing your checks, kept spending the money at any rate. Why would you not be logging in? 30% of them not even logging in? And you notice there's no mention of what was actually being done even by the other 70% who did, at the very least, log in to check their email. I can tell you, I can spend a day and a half just reading emails, and it doesn't mean I've done anything other than read emails, which is why I don't just sit around reading emails all day. I get enough of them. I could, between emails for the show and emails for the day job, uh, that could keep me busy all by itself. But there are other expectations that I have to get to, or things just don't work. Same thing is true for a government agency. In the private sector, companies have made the best of remote work by saving money on office costs. But federal agencies continue to spend $5 billion a year to lease office buildings and $2 billion on upkeep. And the Government Accountability Office found that 75% or more of office space at the headquarters of 17 different agencies not being used. $2 billion of your taxpayer money on upkeep for office space that's only being used by 25%. The government also pays people different rates depending on whether their office is in a high cost of living area or a low cost of living area. And that has failed to update the pay structure to account for remote work. The government is still paying workers based on where their office is, even if that's not where they live. Remember, a lot of these people moved out of the more urban areas when they figured out that they could work from home and their home could be somewhere where they'd have a little more freedom. They didn't update the changes. They just said, well, your office is here, so we're going to pay you based on that rate. Seems like, uh, like that's a waste of taxpayer dollars, too. I mean, I'm all for uh, paying somebody based on where you're working, if that's where you're living. Because the cost of living in places are higher, you should get paid more to live there. Although it would be really, really nice, actually, if governmental policies made it where it wasn't so much uh, more expensive to live there. You know, taxes and all, that, that plays a big role in that. Just putting that out there. So, bureaucrats could be drawing D.C. wages and living like kings in low-cost areas. And that's something that uh, Senator Ernst has said on the record, quoting here, these pay 
determinations should be reevaluated and possibly redefined to save taxpayer money. I mean, heaven forbid that government agencies should actually be good stewards of the taxpayer dollars. Ernst sent a letter to every agency's inspector general asking them to use internet IP addresses and physical badge swipe-ins to determine what regions employees actually spend most of their time in, as well as how much additional pay they receive by being paid for the low, I'm sorry, for being paid for the cost of living area of the headquarter building rather than where they live. So she wants to know what the difference is. How much more money is being given to these folks as a benefit for something that they are not eligible for? One could make the argument that it would be defrauding the government, except for the fact that the employees aren't the ones that failed to make the adjustment. The agencies are. They didn't do their due diligence. So there's no defrauding going on. There's just inefficiencies in the bureaucracy. Who knew that was a possibility? Wow. Shocking, I know. She also asked the agencies various matrix, like delivery of service and wait times, uh, have corresponded uh, to the increase of the remote work. In other words, how efficient are the work-at-home folks being in comparison how efficient they were when they're actually in the office. Now, again, if you've had to call or send emails to a government agency, using the word efficient seems like a stretch, in, because it is. But still, if you're not getting the same level of service from the work-at-home folks, clearly that already bad, not very efficient situation is only going to be worse. So why are we spending the same amount of money for an agency that's providing a quarter of what you were getting before and when that what you were getting before was probably less than half of what you should have been expecting in the first place? Now, she suggests that since employees are already moving to lower cost of living places, federal agency headquarters should be there too. In fact, Ernst has introduced a bill called the Strategic Withdrawal of Agencies for Meaningful Placement or the Swamp Act. <laughs> I would think the Swamp Act would mean something else entirely in D.C. and that's probably why they're against it because they still haven't figured out the secret of not naming the bills what they actually do. But anyway, the point of the Swamp Bill here isn't a drain it, unfortunately, but it would locate agencies in parts of the country with expertise in their topics. For example, the Department of Agriculture would be located in a farming state, you know, like Iowa, for example. Just for example. She also asked that agencies determine whether various matrix, like the delivery of service and wait times, have corresponded to the increase in remote work. In other words, now that we see that it is taking longer and we're not getting the same level of service, is there a direct correlation? Is this causal or just coincidental? Uh, she wants them to take a look at it, to look at the data, and prove that it is just coincidental, that it's not causal. 
In some instances, people are already pointing the finger at absent employees for government failures. At the Atlanta Department of Veterans Affairs Hospital, for example, which has one of the longest wait times for medical care in the country, one manager responsible for scheduling posted a picture of himself working in a bubble bath. The post led to criticism from another employee who said, quote, it's almost as if this employee is making a mockery of all the veterans. I can sit here in my tub and relax, and you just have to wait. Now, Ernst says one of the veterans served by the hospital felt the consequences. I would say probably more than one, but uh, anyway, quoting here, one such veteran temporarily lost his eyesight while waiting six months for an appointment with an eye doctor at the Atlanta VA. Now, yeah, that's one story, one situation. I'm going to tell you it happened a lot more than that. But we've been told, we've been told since last year that Biden's going to get these people back to the office. The fact that we see these folks not doing it tells us all we need to know. I'm going to put a link in the show description to the American Spectator article that I wrote back in April so that you can read it if you wish. I hope that you will. Uh, it's part of their Another Perspective section. Kind of proud of actually getting published in the American Spectator. One of those more prestigious places that a lot of Writers can't claim that they've been published, so, you know, yay me. It's up there with American greatness. But um, the point of the article is important. And like I said, I got pushback from folks that have been working in some of these offices. And uh, I actually ended up responding to one, but there were several others that were just ridiculously typical left-wing crybaby BS. So it's worth the read uh, just to see what I said. If you don't mind, I'd appreciate it. The issue here, though, is the fact that, again, the government is really only good at one thing, other than just messing everything up, and that is wasting our money. That's going to have to be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much for being here. As always, I appreciate it. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. This is Kathy Barnett, the National Grassroots Director for the Vivek 2024 Presidential Campaign, and you're listening to MPAP and Tap into the Truth.
using both hands Founders knew the second amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Malamine, and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well I prefer the three oh went to the tiny two to three Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family using both hands evil is powerless if the good are unafraid